Andy from the Deep Share. I'm here with Dan from Rising from the Ashes, my co-host on Roots of Creation. What's up, yeah. man? What's going on, dude? Uh, loving it. Being back, talking Box Saga and Atlantis and all kinds of crazy shit from the past. Yeah, I Good know. stuff, man. This is and, Atlantis uh, month on RFTA, so I wanted to try to cover cover it in different areas and different perspectives and and uh, uh you know this is a perspective i always like to cover kind of no matter what but especially pertains to atlantis yeah i'm down for that i love atlantis and all the talk about it and it you know works itself right into box saga of course and i think yeah. for the audience we're going to have quite a treat because we're going to really dig into the box saga and introduction by carl borgen tonight and mm-hmm. uh just um read some passages give some more um you know, spot on perspective, because a lot of times this stuff is difficult to explain and we fumble yeah. a lot. Honestly, we do because <laughs> it's so yeah. complex and everything overlaps and yeah, it's just crazy, man. For sure. Yeah. Even like, even still, when I go back and read more and when I watch videos, I'm like, Oh, I didn't even realize that <laughs> yeah. I should, uh, kind of think about that and add that into the perspective a little bit more because there's so it's so there's so much man you can't just say like this happened and this is why that happened there's like 50 things that happened and that's why it happened and yeah. sometimes when we retell the story we're giving like the gist of it but there's more like little details and fragments that all kind of connect to it to really explain it in a better detail because when yeah. it's just broad, it kind of go. You kind of go. Uh, well, you're just kind of pulling at things. Yeah, there's certain aspects of it that you can dig into, or you can explain to someone that's very intriguing. But to really show them why they should all be shocked is it's a longer process for sure, and it takes you know just like any other uh, alternative theory out there, uh, accurate or not. Um, it takes the will to be curious on the participants part, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, it's yet another aspect that we just have to turn over more and more leaves to, to, to show more of it to uh, a wider range of people, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I want to try to like convey what Atlantis is in the box saga and what yes. it possibly is completely (laughs) right and um 
So I want to give a little bit of backstory of the Paradise Time because I think it's important to talk about the the procreation system in a way, in a simplified way, not a deep way, uh, to explain who these different pieces and different people were and why they split the way they did and how things got changed later on. Because I think that also makes like a big difference. So I'm going to start with this. uh, And this is page 21 of the box saga, the plan locked into the root language. And it says the Acer, the people from Udenma who lived near the axis of the planet were divided into two castes. The first was the Pirouette family pronounced P-Ru-Ette, consisting of a grandfather. A grandfather Gube and a grandmother Guma. Their twelfth son was Sol Bakken Balder. He has many titles and names, and within the, this book is referred to as Lemminkainen. His lady Joutsen, referred to in this book as Zvan, bore him twelve sons and seven daughters, who each had a title. The first son and daughter of the family were the king Urs and Queen May, referred to as Seppo and Mea. The twelfth son would be the next Lemminkainen and would continue the family line by having children with his own Zvan, and soon, as soon as he reached the age of 27. Well, there's 27. You know, that's an interesting yeah. number. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, and seven plus two is nine, so it's the... it's. Mm. Uh, right before perfection, you know, because yep. 10 is perfection. Also, nine, I think, uh, when you look at like the latitude lines of the planet, uh, nine uh, to the north is the North Pole. Right. And also, 10 is a pole and a hole. Yeah. And a ring, a ring <laughs> and a pole. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even put that part. That's the weird part about this. You have, you can add in all of it. It all fits together as wacky as it seems. And as legitimate as it is, as it seems like the whole spectrum fits. And it's crazy. I know. It's so great too. Um, The king and queen did not have any children, nor did the other brothers and sisters. However, the first 11 brothers and, and seven sisters in the Bach family did play another very important role in the procreation system. This will be explained in detail in the chapter describing the offering. Now, Frey, th- now let's, let's tell people what, how that's spelled here. It's offer hyphen ring. Yeah. But offering. It's the offering. Yeah. It's both at the same time because it is the offer ring as well. Ouroboros. Right. But also yoga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Frey was the first Bach and later became the first Gube. Freya became the first Guma. The people born outside of Udama were called a veneer. The Svan, who was symbolized by a swan, was chosen for being the most beautiful and healthiest lady from the veneer. I think it's pronounced Vonner. I've heard, I've heard Yake say Vonner many times. And I think just to clarify, yeah, yeah. because no, we are talking, uh, you know, we got to be careful with the pronunciations. Yeah. Uh, from the Vonner, Lemminkainen and the Svan had many children, but since only the 12th son would have children himself, 
there would not be enough offspring to populate the whole planet. According to the plan within the root language of second caste, known as the Rosette uh, family of roses, was then created. The head of this family was the same Lemminkainen of the Pirouette family. Mm. So he was the same one, but they divided the cast up. So the Bach was the same in, in both uh, Udenma Connecting and the, the two families together. Connecting them together, yes. Uh, Lemminkainen had a harem of women called the Disa or Disor, plural. The first Disor were the daughters who came after the first seven daughters of Freya and Freya. So after they already had seven daughters, the next daughters became the Disa. So daughters 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, however many they had after that, became the Disas or the Disor. Uh, after the Disor were the daughters of the previous Disor and Lemminkainen. Uh, so they were also the previous ones. <laughs> so it just kept building on to these different groups, right? right. This is going to get important because later it's going to kind of talk about how it developed ethnicities within these different caste systems because of the, the basically the, that prototype Lemminkainen was given his DNA to pretty much all these diff th these different girls in that system to procreate that ringland. Right. So it started to develop similar characteristics to that one Bach or Lemminkainen. Mm -hmm. uh, so there were eight future possibilities for the children of Adisa and the Lemminkainen. If they had a boy and he possessed the physical attributes of a children maker, he was given the title of Robbie, which is spelled R-A-B-I. So it looks like rabbi, but it's pronounced Robbie. Right. And I think we should clarify that this was probably not a coincidence. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> as, as we, as <laughs> we will see. That wasn't completely obvious. <laughs> yeah. As we will see, because when we start to talk about it more. Because we are talking about the pronunciation change and how that is literally how our original language was twisted was in pronunciations yeah and it, it'll get into that too um he would be assigned a ringland outside of udenma where he would hold court and be an all-father uh, a ringland is one of the many territories outside of udenma of approximately the same size where the rab or the rabbi and a brother and sister would hold court now, think about also how, uh, real quick, I just wanted to break in here uh, and go a little bit deeper into that word, Robbie, because that is how it's it's meant to be pronounced, according to Box Saga. And I've heard it explained as raw bee, as in a bee that goes around mm -hmm. and pollinates. It's uh, the, bee, the bees of raw, which raw is the king. <laughs> because later in have, here. Yeah, it's just wild. Yeah, later in here, they say <laughs> the way they think of the ringlands is uh, if you were like looking at it from high up, what the ringlands would look like, it would be like a beehive. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's with the, each the... with each outer circle touching the next outer circle of the other ringland. Mm -hmm. Right. Epic. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> I mean, you see a lot of that bee mythology and like the whole pollinations thing, you know, the birds and the bees, <laughs> Yeah, dude. Uh, the swan and the, and the bee, uh, cause we got a swan right here. So that's a bird mm-hmm. and then a bee, right? So the, the, the pollinators, right? Um, if a boy turned out to be an unsuitable children maker, he had three options. He would become a nar, in which case he was sent to the ringland as each court also had a nar. So you got to go look up the word nar and nar is a brother of a Robbie and head of the information system. Hmm. Uh, so he was the nar raw tour, the narrator. He was given the story from Odin or from Guma. And it was passed down to one next person and then to the Nar. And then that information went out from the ringlands to everybody else on what, what to do. Uh, the next possibilities would be for the boy to become a Tor or a Tear. And a tor is a hammer, or it's a heart friend, one of uh, the eight powers. Um, And heart doesn't mean your heart in your chest. Heart friend means penis, uh, your your dick or your clitoris heart. Um, And then it says uh, under the tor, the male would be the tor. And the female would be the Torah, which is very interesting. That is right? interesting as well. <laughs> uh, and then uh, it had reference to Tor key and that being the key to Tor and the country of Turkey. Yeah. And we see a lot thing. of stuff about Turkey and Anatolia and you know, go blacky tappy. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on about Turkey. So possibly that was a heart center or of some sort. Uh, we'll get more. Well, more also, uh, Turkey points to like, so the translation that's been uh, discovered, I guess, in recent years about Gobekli Tepe is that the actual translation of it is two separate languages for each word. Mm. Or, or that it's two languages, Gobekli and Tepe is, I can't remember which two languages, of course, but it translates to the uh, umbilicus of Osiris. Mm. And it points directly in, I guess, a straight line to the, the Osirian temple. So, mm. and we know that the saga also connects right into Egypt as well with Ra. Yeah. So this is all suspect. <laughs> Yeah, man. If uh, if the Disa and Lemminkainen gave birth to a girl with the desired physical attributes, she would be a Disa herself and have children with a Lemminkainen. If she was a girl who was seen as unfit to have children, she could be a Sinar. Now, this is spelled S-I-E-N-A-R-E. So, we just talked about a nar. Now a female is a sai sia nar. So it sounds like sinner. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't make that connection before. Doesn't it? 
Sinar. What page are you on? Did I lose you? Okay, I'm on the page bottom of uh, 22. 22. Right. Bottom of 22. For anyone that has this book that might be following along, hey, you never know. Yeah, please do. <laughs> please do if you have the book. Yeah. And if you don't, get, get the book, man. Get There's the book. so much more information in here that you're not going to hear yeah. on the videos. I mean, we can uh, do this. We could do a, a number of these videos if you want. I mean, yeah, I'd we're, be totally down to like kind of go through the book like this. We're uh, probably going to have theme. to do. We're probably going to have to do two just for this one. Yeah, because unfortunately, we could go three hours easily, <laughs> and we can't do yeah. that today, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, we'll uh, come back and do a part two for sure. Maybe a part three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> then it says, like the Nar boys, the Sinar were sent to the outside court of a ringland. If she was a girl, she could also be a Torah or a Tyra, uh, Tyrant, right? Mm. It, is said that the Tor and Torah and the Tyr and Tira or Tyra and Tyre. Tyre. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're um, pronouncing it Tur or Tyr. I'm going with Tyr just because there's a god named Tyr right. in Norse so mythology. Tira. Yeah, Tyr yeah, and Tira. So, yeah. And uh, who were all members of the Rosette family. Uh, they could travel freely around the world as long as half of them remained in Udenmaa. In the Rosette family, there were all together 80 Tor, Torah, Tyr, and Tira. The Pirouette family, consisting of Lemminkainen, his 11 older brothers and seven sisters, as well as the Zvan, never left Udenma while they were fulfilling their prospective roles in the prospective system. So these were the people born in Udenma called the Acer. Belonging to the Pirouette and Rosette families and who spoke the root language. So, okay. So this is, I'm sorry. I've always been a little confused about this because we keep talking about like the first family, right? Yes. And maybe other people have been confused about this too. This kind of clarifies that, that like they all come from one another, but the Pirouette was first. Yes. Just wanted to speak that because we've talked many times about these other names, you know? Yeah. So, okay. Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, no, no worries. Good for clarification. Uh, so these were the people born in Udamal called the Acer, belonging to the Pirouette and Rosette family. So the Rosette was two. Mm-hmm. And who spoke the root language? There is much more to say about them. But first, let's have a look at those born outside Udamal, who, as mentioned, were known as the Vaughn, singular, or Vaughnir. Vaughner. Vaughner. I think it's Vaughner. Vaughner. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have a hard time with pronunciation. That's okay. That's okay. I am an American <laughs> California white boy. <laughs> so I want to be here, like veneer, bro. <laughs> it sounds like those fake teeth, bro. <laughs> yeah. Check out those veneers. Veneers, man. man. No, uh, I mean, this is the Vonner. I mean, giant, <laughs> giant whites, right? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, position uh, positioned in a ring or a circle around Udenma were six ringlands of the same size of Udenma. So <clears throat> Udenma is a prototypical Atlantis. And these different ringlands were copies of Udenma that were spread out. So it's going to talk about how they were spread out. So 
positioned in a ring or a circle around Udenma were six ring lands of the same size of Udenma, which is 250 kilometers in diameter. Outside this ring, more rings were formed, and through repetition of this structure, the planet was populated. All the ring lands together resembled a beehive. Each ring land had a court where a Rabi, born in Udenma, resided with his brother, the Nar, and his sister, the Sinar. The role of the Rabi was to create the next caste called Yarlet. <clears throat> I always see the word Rabi and think rabbi in my head, so I have to kind of self-correct myself sometimes and while, do they, I'm, do they pronounce while I'm the- saying it. Do they pronounce the J in Jarlet or is it Yar? Yar. Is yar. It yar? Okay. Yeah. Yarlet. And that's that's also where we get like Earl eventually, don't we? Or like the yes, uh, the Yarls yes. of uh And like a Yule log is uh is actually J U L. Right. We say it Yule. Yule. Right. Yeah. Okay. He had children with the women from the Yarl who were suitable to become mothers. If the Yarl sons of the rabbi and Yarl women were found to be suitable to have children, they would have them with women from the caste below called Carlet. The children born from the Yarl men and Carl women belonged to the Carlet caste. Carl sons who were suitable to have children would in turn have them with women from the caste below them called Trellet. However, the trail men were not children makers. If during the paradise time you happen to be a trail boy or girl belonging to the trailette fifth caste, your father would be a Carl belonging to the Carlet fourth caste. Your grandfather would be a Yarl belonging to the Yarlet third class or caste. The father of this Yarl, your great grandfather, would be the Robbie of your Ringland. The father of this Robbie is Lemminkainen, the Bach. The all-father in hell who would be your great-great-grandfather. Thus, all the people on the planet were related to each other and were direct descendants of Lemminkainen. The sperm line that was passed down from Lemminkainen through the different castes is the river of eternal life flowing southwards from hell. Therefore, if we look if we were to look at the geograph- geographical location of the so-called fountain of youth, the source of eternal life, we would find it in hell, which, as mentioned before, was the exact North Pole during paradise time. Helsinki. Yes. So, according to heathen understanding, the reason for this hierarchical order of reproduction is that all people possess a soul and the root soul is S-O-L, soul, which translates as sun, which is also Udin. Um, and then uh, I was watching a video, the, the Welcome to Hell video last night with Jim Chesner, and uh, this pertains to the pole in the hole. He says that your pole has a hole in the tip, just like your penis, and that and it's the shape of the letter I. Uh, think of like an I with a dot at the top, right? That's your that's your pole with your penis hole, right. or or the same as the planet axis, 
the pole with the hole. And so the how you pronounce I and root is E. Right. It's E. And so this was the whole E land. The holy land was in Udenma. And this is where the idea of things being holy comes from. Yep. And it sounds kind of silly, right? I mean, it's hard to, <laughs> some of these do sound like silly word magic, but all you have yeah. to do is keep tracing them around and it all, it all connects because again, I have to always repeat this. It's that the root language, the sound system itself, all these sounds were named and given meaning from the inside out, you know, from the, the body, yeah, from first. the body you know, probably even from internal thoughts or something. I, I don't, you know, it comes from inside to outward to mm -hmm. the external world and to the abstract. Yeah. I mean, I think about that even with, uh, uh, both, you know, it's, it's thought, thought. it's thought, it's thought. Yeah. It's, it's so anything uh, it's, written about Thoth, if you look at it as a personified version of what thinking is, yeah. why, why do we meditate to get away from thinking? So, <sighs> you know, when people kind of say that, thought whatever was kind of uh, an elusive you know negative force in some ways it's it has some weight to it in a sense because in some sense it's it's all distraction it's like the intellect is a distraction yeah. from that piece of odin <laughs> yeah Ex exactly oh. man. i know uh as will be explained in the chapter of the offering, Lemminkainen had access to the most complete and pure soul. By having children with the Disa, he transfers the soul or son through the sperm or sperma to the second cast, the rosette. As an example of how the root language works, the word sperma breaks down as follows. S equals son. Uh, we were talking about what S represented and maybe serpent you know because it has it's all squiggly it looks like a serpent but box saga says the s equals sun the creative force per the all father which is actually pronounced it's p-e-r but it's pronounced pear yes and, pear and right, ma and ma uh mother earth so it's the sun the father and the earth and can we explain why pear is is all father do we know why that because usually it phonetically fits but I'm, i don't i can't remember what the connection there is yeah i believe it's uh pa. maybe it's pa <laughs> it's it's yeah it, uh, when i heard uh when i heard uh jim chesson explain it yesterday i think pear is like the english version of uh guma and uh goom there's well, another that's grandparents, one grandparents right yeah, but it's the same. He's the, he's the first all father. Right. Okay. So the all father of that, that city, that ringland is called the Guma or the pear. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's also, wait, is he, too. he's in the center, right? You'd, you'd picture him as like the all father. So he's kind of in the yes. center of that ringland. So if you look yes. at a, if you, this may be loose connection, but if you look at a pear from the top down, you have its little seed pit or whatever and a little stem and it gets bigger and bigger. So you can kind of see it as it goes down. So you're almost looking at that beehive from the top too. It's almost the same concept. That's very interesting. I mean, I don't know. It could be just. I may be making. No, that's very interesting because they said uh, he said there was like a a big old tower, 
in mm. the middle of this area uh, where the information system would come out and they would look to the, the pair or the tour uh, and that information would come down to the, the raw and then to the NAR. And that's how you get the Nara tour. Is right. Like, and he would stand in the hole, the holy of holies, right? <laughs> yep. He would stand there with his arms outstretched and receive the information. Uh, Yake the other day posted a beautiful picture of the Northern Lights. Yes, he did. And what he captioned it of is uh, he said they're very bright right now and uh, they look crazy. I was like, why Why is that? And he said, possibly because of all the souls being lost right now in uh, Ukraine and everything. Whoa. And I was like, holy fuck. That's super crazy because it's the it's uh, basically the soul bridge that's connecting back to the North Pole hole because that's where your soul travels. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's part of the Bach mythology as well. Like it has kind of, yeah. uh, you know how you often say that it also the, looks like a shining serpent in the sky. <laughs> well, so you often say that the idea of flat earth may have been uh, borrowed or at least part of it from the idea of this ice wall that surrounded Udenma at one time. Right. And yeah. As well as kind of this seems a little bit borrowed as well. You know what I mean? From other conspiracies and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I say I think it's it's. Or in our mind person. it's in our mind it seems familiar mm. and so i think that's why a lot of people do associate well, with it they're like yeah this seems seems like it should be right so let's let's go with that but it, it and it in a way it is because when you're standing at the north pole looking out everything's gonna be connected in a different way than sitting on the side of the planet Maybe we could at some point today, we could have you kind of re-explain the soul trap at the North Pole and all that, because it it would be interesting oh, yeah. to hearken back to um, an older episode of mine on the deep share I did with a man named Wayne Bush, who runs a website called Tricked by the Light. Oh. Or it may might have been trapped by the light. I can't I okay. for, forgive me, I forgot, but one of those, but he was one of the proponents early on of that theory of, you know, going towards the white light at the end of your life, mm. it all being a soul trap, being control, a control mechanism. And it's interesting to see how that whole theory may be a subconscious collective borrowing of what the mythology yeah. behind that is in box saga. Yeah. It's basically they yeah, the, your soul gets recycled through the North pole. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and we hear that we hear that theme in conspiracy theories, but it's more yeah. on like a uh, cosmic, psychic, crazy <laughs> level, and it's like the the <laughs> the lizard people have it all set up for us or whatever, you know. So it's yeah. borrowed once again from this much older actual mythology, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. and twisted and lost and a game of telephone pursues, you know. Yeah. I mean, even like I, I'm still trying to separate the different family lines and who these different <laughs> people were in this. Like it's it's it gets very convoluted and you kind of just have to go. Uh, you, you can't really like pinpoint who did what or or what you can kind of understand. But even there's this other chapter that I, I kind of wanted to read later. If I have time, I will. It's a, it's his like epilogue, his ending. Mm -hmm. uh carl borgens uh to the to the box saga and uh it's 
Very good. But uh, so as an example of how the root language works, the word sperma breaks down as follows. S equals son, the creative force. Pair equals the all father. And ma equals mother earth. So that's how you get the spare ma. Uh, the sons of Lemminkainen and Disa, therefore, are bestowed with his soul, divided in, into two. When these rabbi have children with women from the Jarl class, the soul is thus divided once more. The Jarl men will then have children with women from the Karl class. And again, the soul is divided. The Karl men have children with the trail women, dividing the soul once more. As mentioned, the trail men did not have children. This is where the box stops. So the box stops here. The box stops here. (laughs) That's right from the book. I I didn't even make that joke, Carl. Carl <laughs> uh, the reason for this was the belief that the soul of the Lemminkainen is now so divided that if the trail had children, they would not have enough soul. Remember that originally the human race was a hybrid between an ape and a goat. Through the system of selective breeding, the race was the race was established and kept oh stabilized and kept healthy and beautiful this stabilization came from the bach family and the health and beauty from the genres or the from the genes of the swan so because they had a selective breeding process where they only picked the most beautiful and strongest they kept those ones closer to udenma and the weaker and not as pretty ones came down in the caste systems. The trail men were not good looking. They were not allowed to reproduce and they also didn't want to diminish the seed anymore. I almost feel like we could eventually this information, this perspective could be, um, could uh, maybe not explain away, but just kind of lend into the idea of templates. Have you heard this idea? Oh. With like the uh, with the simulation theory theorists and everything they oh, talk okay. about uh, people looking a certain way similar only, like there are only being so many faces out there and all yeah. templates and yes. it's a great idea and it fits a lot of different levels of reality. I agree the, with that idea though. You know what I mean? Well, I also yes. see it as these roots right here. We have like yes. specific family lines being purposely, uh, you know gotten to you know they, they've they've been yes. created on purpose so and that's why i wanted to read this this uh this part of the book in particular because it describes now this is the paradise time <clears throat> this is what they were doing so it's going to refer back to this sometimes in in the ice age and then sometime after the ice age it's going to refer to what they did in the paradise they're always trying to go back to the paradise time because that was how they were supposed to do things because that was a natural process to do it in. But because of different things that happened, cataclysms and, and whatnot, they had to change the way they were operating these systems and into uh, systems. So stems, these yes. are the systems. These like they have stem mothers also that, produce children outside of the Udin Ma family. So you have you have all these it, it gives an idea of of what the perspective of of the paradise time is and then into the Atlantis time and Atlantis being the focus because I think this box saga gives so much backstory on 
a, a different aspect of Atlantis than we all perceive it and why the things were they were uh, the way they were. Because when you start to see and understand how they lived in this time, you can understand why they had to have technology, why they had to innovate, and all these other different things had to come from that. Because then you can see these different pronounced uh, prominent things in the Atlantis story as being, oh, that's how they pulled that out of there. Because it's a bigger, complete picture to what people just pull parts out of you know and we're constantly trying to bring on the archaic revival as mckenna called it um there's always a desperation it's almost the same as adults longing for childhood again it's fractal of course it's always this 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 this, uh longing uh, of the past it's it's in us on so many different levels including a literal history uh, it's it's wild how this all connects. Yeah. Um, so then it says many rituals and festivals played a role in both the judging of these deemed suitable for the task of reproduction and the choice made by the women of which man from the cast above them would become the father of their future children. Right. The women made the decisions in that category. Yes. <clears throat> In the Ringland, there were special places where people would gather to conduct these rituals. The festivals were held at particular times during the year, and all the people of the Ringlands attending would play a role in the events. For the heathen people, the production of the next generation was the single most important responsibility in their lives, and thus the festival and other ritualized actions that were involved in this task were considered the most important. The box saga gives a detailed explanation of these vital events in another part of the story. Even those who did not have children of their own would play important roles in these events. This also involved countless rituals that will be dealt with later on in the book. So I wanted to touch on something here that's important to me because um, I feel as though we're living through a time right now, at least in our country, and it may not be, it's just all manufactured for the most part of this complete breakdown of, uh, of family and the idea that children should be, uh, you know, members of the group, you know what I mean? And raised by everyone. And in a way, from a perspective, I can completely understand how that would, in fact, be extremely helpful on a massive scale to society and those children and the people raising them, everyone involved. But at the same time, the way it's manufactured out there in the in the legacy media and, and everything else and all the, the science that's coming out about it and shit, the sociology, it's all geared towards of course, destroying what was to make way for this this more archaic idea. While back then, in reality, it's a mix of both. It's the ones that do have children and do create these familial bonds that we've carried on for generations, but also that everyone was involved with everyone together. So it was a mix of both rather than, of course, how it's always manufactured, which is get rid of what we have and make way for what was before in a completely misunderstood way. Yeah. I think we also have to understand too, that this is millions of years ago. So (laughs) sure. Of course. (laughs) Archaic as it sounds, this is like, you know, 
we're we're humans are babies. We're we're getting our baby legs. We're just under finally starting to understand anything. Yeah, you know, that's an fr- important from, fractal aspect right there. We have to understand we grew up as like a human being grew up, you know? Yes, exactly. And that's uh, why the box named everything after their dicks and shit. Like, you know, everything was <laughs> immediate. My son looks at his dick constantly when he's taking a bath. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's just you how have to it think is. Of, yes, yeah, you have to kind of think of how you were as a child, too. And you have that childlike mind. And and you kind of get that one track mind of of just everything has to do with with that aspect and the birth so, of the ego for sure you know oh yeah for this sure. invading force of this evil force that's in our world yeah. may have just your been thoughts, an unchecked collective ego yeah. man right that's <laughs> why I thought and both often seem <laughs> like he could be good and bad at times exactly it's because he's he's like we finally developed a way to actually consciously think right we, we weren't able to like consciously think before we were just uh uh like in pcs in a way we were just like procreate sleep eat procreate yeah. sleep eat. That's it was like, just a, an echo from this system that once had an extremely important purpose suddenly was just by nature you know of course yeah so i mean when People hear about the offering system and stuff. They're like, "Oh God!" Yes, of course. You have to realize, like, a lot of this was all during the the ice time and the paradise time. Yeah, we're talking you know, infancy. This wasn't, <clears throat> yeah, this wasn't like this didn't really happen later in like the the AD period at all that I know of. I'm not even <sighs> sure that it happened much in the BC or what we explain as time. I'm not even sure if it happened that much during that time. I think there was different like sects or or uh, groups that probably were trying to keep that alive and were doing it. But for the most part, not very many different peoples around the world were really participating in this offering system anymore. No, no. It was, uh, pr- I mean, perverted may not even be the right word, but again, it was like telephone. So yeah. a game of telephone where like the offering system, just the meaning devolved, not evolved, but it just, it broke away from the original story in mm-hmm. many, many, many ways. Yeah. I mean, if you uh, think about the military system. Yeah. I, I mean, want to talk about that. We really got to talk bad. about the military really system do. at some point because the box saga's interpretation of the word military, the whole concept behind it is all procreative it's not destructive there's no soldiers of war there's soldiers of love it's it's completely different and it's of course completely inverted Mila tor e right right tor is heart friend which is the friend your your lover your penis your hammer your but it's also described as like someone can have a tor right like there is a yeah there's a you have your heart friend you know, Militori. and Mila. So there's many, mm. and your E is your penis, right? It's a lot of dicks. Yes, yeah, a lot of dicks. <laughs> Again, it's kids. Uh, cap- kids. Captain, <laughs> captain is cup of tin. It's a it's a cup that they filled with the the tins, tin sperm, and then oh, drink. Okay. And then right, there's soul, right. uh, soldier, which is soul die or the soul dyer. And what is that? He was a uh, soldier. Yeah, he was a uh, 
soul giver basically oh right 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 okay yeah uh and i wanted to get it get into it with yake too because obviously he knows a lot yeah i think it was like nine soldiers filled the the one cup (laughs) and the chieftain uh drank from that or or the captain i can't remember so then you got to think about the band Limp Biscuit and the name <laughs> of that and like that horrid, disgusting game we all heard about uh, <laughs> jizzing on a cracker. Gookie cookie. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, where does that come from? Oh, only humanity's origins. Sorry. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Well, we, we don't have to talk about Limp Biscuit, though. <laughs> we don't Wait, have to talk could, about them. We can leave them completely out. <laughs> Oh, going into some dark Um, shit. (laughs) So this is a. So I just wanted to give that backstory of the Paradise Time, Mm -hmm. and get into the first Ragnarok because this is technically when the Altalantis period starts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first Ragnarok, people lived an idyllic life during Paradise Time. There was a mild tropical climate in all the inhabited areas. Food grew in abundance on the trees, ready for the picking. After the initial period during which people populated the planet, nothing much changed. <clears throat> the box saga does not speak of actual events and individual people during this time. It merely describes a way of living, a system of procreation in a stable society, living in a stable, natural environment. Most actions were highly ritualized and life kept renewing and repeating itself throughout the countless generations, which is basically what we're just describing. They procreated in their orderly way in the five caste system, the elected women always having children with the men they in turn elected from the caste above. Their lives were filled with festivals, carnivals, and countless ceremonies and rituals described in other parts of the box saga. Everybody was related to the All-Father in the far north, a true global family. The Earth's axis was perpendicular to the sun, resulting in no seasons. Neither the north nor the south pole were directed away from the sun in the winter or towards the sun in the summer like they are now. On the North Pole, where the Pirouette family lived, it was always light. It was hell, as we say in most Northern European languages. Standing on the North Pole, the whole universe, the sun, moon, planets, and stars would spin around a person. The Earth's axis was elongated into the galactic axis, which pointed straight at the North Star. Imagine standing on the North Pole, seeing the North Star directly above with the universe spinning around you, the sun turning its circles over the horizon once every day, and the northern lights raining down from above. One really must have had an impression of being in the center of it all, a true paradise. Wow. Wait, so, you know, we've gotten into the fact that (laughs) box saga uh stands in the in the face of flat earth but uh does it stand in the face of heliocentrism like do you, do they think that the earth was the center of the everything i've never asked yake or anyone that are um, they geocentric in the box saga because i've really never understood it one way or the other 
<clears throat> no, I think they think the sun is in the middle. I think because that's why the sun is uh, like it's, the soul. The, mm, okay. It's the giver and everything revolves around the sun, right? Okay, everything, okay. even in the saga, everything revolves around Burma right. from Ooh, the sun. Yeah. Right. And that's the and whole point of the ring lands and everything. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Structure of them. Okay. Now I was so just, I would think in that. in that aspect, it would, it would, they'd be, I could almost see why yeah. it's almost say, it almost sounds like Borgen is suggesting like, can you understand their perspective thinking that it was the center of everything, you know, but maybe not, maybe not. Or maybe that was an initial feeling. Maybe that's where geocentrism came from initially. But that the more intelligent, I don't, I don't know, maybe down the line they figured it out or something. Because yeah. Odin, the sun could still be vastly important and all giving while yes. being, while being, you know, going around the earth too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, the moon, the moon being its counterpart and everything, earth being the center point. I don't know. I just haven't heard one way or the other, definitely from like Chesner or, or Michelle or um, Morgan, to be honest. But, we could dig deeper into that. That's kind of a sidetrack. Yeah, we can see, or we can ask Yake. I'm sure Yake knows too. Probably, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, back to <laughs> life. Uh, so you're sitting at the top of the plant, looking at all the stars and everything, and and the uh, or aurora borealis. Uh, now I haven't been to like the extreme north, but I've been to Alaska and I've seen the Northern Lights in Alaska, and it's a uh, pretty pretty fucking awesome uh you you know you see like these green colors and and stuff in the sky and you're just like what the fuck yeah so it's so vastly different from anything here but you're seeing you're seeing this your those colors that color spectrum you know in the sky so i can understand like how they got like a rainbow bridge or like these shining serpent sky things or Mm -hmm. something like that could definitely you could if you seen this big old like squiggly streak going through the sky that was super bright like you'd be like oh look at the shining serpent in the sky right you know uh so and then people would probably refer to them as like look at those oh they come from the shining serpent or you know that they're those serpent people that come from the north right exactly uh life was good and stable on earth as it is in the heavens we lived on our planet plan at translated as family plan the plan encoded within the root language all this natural and spiritual beauty lasted for a very very long time this all came to an abrupt end when disaster struck 50 million 10 thousand and 34 years ago on the 24th of july calculated from 2018 in the box saga it is called the first ragnarok it was the first destruction of Udma, the ringland of the north pole and the acer people inhabiting it the earth and the galactic axis tilted in a matter of three months resulting in the earth starting to revolve around another point about 23 degrees from the previous one in hell. 23. Um, another thing that I recall is uh, I heard uh, an archaeologist 
on a, a podcast. I think it was Earth Ancients. Uh, shout out to Cliff. And she was saying that they had found a bunch of archaeology, but for some reason they, they were 23 degrees off of point of uh, where they should be pointed to them. And I was like, oh, I know the answer. <laughs> it's because the earth tilted, motherfucker. They found a bunch of what? Like fossils? Um, 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 or, or structures. structures. Yeah. Oh, shit. With, with, uh, their, uh, you know, their little peepholes for their calendars and stuff like that. And they were off by 23 degrees. Yeah. 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 That's nuts, dude. <laughs> so that means that had to have happened, uh, millions of years ago. Right. Right. According to Saga. Right. I'll say, you know, I, I have no fucking clue. Uh, <laughs> Saga just keeps getting more and more creepy <laughs> more accurate yeah uh this signaled the beginning of the ice age and hell froze over mm-hmm. according to the saga the atmosphere condensed into ice after the events all the ringlands and what is now northern europe russia and north america were covered in thick layers of ice nobody could live there anymore and those were not lucky enough those who were not lucky enough to escape their icy fate perished by a stroke of Ood, oh, which means fate. Mm-hmm. Ood and Ma remained ice-free, but was surrounded by walls of ice reaching kilometers high into the sky. The saga calls it the Altland East period. The all land ice period. We sound yes. like broken records at this point, but I think it needs to be set up in times. That's why I kind of want to give a little bit of backstory of this and then mm. get into this part uh, because we have said this a million times. That's okay because we haven't really <laughs> dive, you know, dove deep into it. Yeah. The fact that these other, these many sites, these many ringlands that we see are all echoes of this original place. Right. You know, again, always trying to get back there. Maybe that's why the dates are all screwy too, because these were many different times, always us trying to get back to the paradise time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlantis in the root language means all the land is ice. If we think about lands, we think, for example, about Finland, Rusland, Greenland, Norland, Iceland, England, Scotland, Ireland, Friesland, Eastland, Poland, Saxland, and so on. South of the ice, south of the Pyrenees, Alps, Himalayas, there are no so-called lands. There is Spain, Hindustan, India, China, and other countries, but no lands. In the Bach Saga, Atlantis refers to the time period of the Ice Age that occurred within these lands. The first Ragnarok led to the first fragmentation of the human race. The ringlands of the Vonner, south of the ice, were cut off from their all-father. The Vonner created ten kingdoms. Here we go. So now so we're talking. This about, is another aspect that kind of confuses me sometimes. Me so this too, is going to put it in pers- pers- perspective a little bit well, more. Real quick, we're talking outside of Udenma. Are we talking outside of the safety zone? So yes, this is outside of the ice wall. So in the ice, in the shit, in the barely survivable conditions, right? 
or are we uh, no or, the ringlands of the Vonner south of the ice were cut off from their all father so, so oh okay i'm sorry i missed okay we're talking the so, Vonner. yes the Vonner that lived in the southern hemisphere most for the most part away okay. from wherever all these lands were they lived below the ice lands right yes, all the lands that bad. were covered in ice they lived outside of this right and we would also probably eventually start calling this the underworld because the the mythologies line up in that way when these two finally come together but that's for later uh that could very be possible though the my understanding of underworld now is that it's just the lower hemisphere of earth right rather for than the most just part, everything this, outside of the ringland well am i mistaken that no what i mean is am, am i mistaken to think that for the most part this ice time affected just for the most part the northern hemisphere mostly the northern hemisphere so that's kind of what i'm talking about so the vonner the vonner that survived were mostly those in the southern hemisphere yeah they probably would have been living closer to the equator so they were the ones who most likely were were the first to carry on you know fragments of the original system you know, and maybe taught yeah. those that came out of the ice because we have many that many gods, quote unquote, that came to the rescue of those after the ice had melted or whatever. So we'll have to get into that too. It's so yeah. complex. I mean, that's like thirty third parallel stuff, and 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 technically that's not really under the the equatorial line so it's not i'm not sure how much of that is underworld or maybe possibly everything from that 33 to the lower 33 is is the under and upper could be yeah uh i was just thinking about all of like the midgard supposed midgard area to right the middle garden you know Mm -hmm. um okay uh, okay let's get back on track my bad no, we're on track because it's good to explain <laughs> these type of things because it is it can be confusing. Yeah. And even I get confused. And as you can see, Andy gets confused. So it's yeah. good to talk about these from the book because, uh, you know, we want the actual words. And later in this book, he says everything in this book he took from Eeyore Bach and videos that Eeyore Bach has made. So all of these things came out of Eeyore Bach's mouth at some point. He's not adding anything. He's not subtracting anything. He's just relating everything in the easiest possible form. He said there's also, you know, countless other things that he could have added, but he wanted to add the main things. So this is kind of like how we think of Atlantis. You get the main things, but we don't get all the backstory. Here we get some backstory. So, and also, if we can, can, if we want to consider people looking into Eeyore and finding out that there's a lot of writing about him being extremely eccentric and this and that, and there's controversy, uh, the controversies and the eccentricities do not so really surround his telling of the box saga. That's another life that he was living, honestly. The box mm-hmm. saga information that he passed on that's in this book by Borgen is mainly what Eeyore received just from his mother and her sister who they received from their father and so on and so forth. His eccentricities were his own thing. It was completely a sidetrack from the actual information just to Mm -hmm. clarify that as well. Yes. Uh, The Vonner created 10 kingdoms. There was Kina in the East with P King Hmm. uh, Pi P I from the ring uh, P King uh, as King Uh, Hindistan with Narkasur as king, Torki with Sultan as the king, 
The Middle West with Rasul, Sul, the sun, and Ra equals the moon. So the sun and the moon. Mm-hmm. The uh, All father and king in one. As king, Afrique or Africa with King Solomon. Uh, information on the other five kingdoms have disappeared in the midst of time. These kingdoms encircled the planet. Often they were surrounded by deserts, high mountain ranges, and oceans, and therefore relatively isolated from one another. There was some contact in the form of caravans. Van means Vonner or Vaughn. So a Vaughn means Vonner. All the people outside the old North Pole, Car refers to the Carl caste, the fourth caste that undertook these long journeys. So a caravan, the caravan. Each kingdom developed its own language rooted in old Vaughn language, as well as its own mythology. These mythologies all have many similarities in that they refer to a common origin. Most of them feature a similar paradise where we all originate from. With a tree of life in the middle, its location in the upper region of the planet where the center of the world and the universe is found. So there we go. There's the tree of life. Another similarity between these different kingdoms is the king system. Each mythology has its pantheon of gods relating to the old pirouette family who were close to the heavens and brought life to the planet. Each kingdom developed a caste system similar to the one from before the Ice Age. One all-father was father to everyone in that particular kingdom because of this isolation caused by each kingdom having its own all-father Different races, characterized by their own unique and specific physical traits, started to develop through time. That's a bombshell right there, man. I think <laughs> right? it fits nicely. I mean, it. you can start to see, like, why certain people, like, certain, like there's prototypes of people, I say sometimes. like Templates. Yeah, there's, like, <laughs> animal. Some people look like certain animals and stuff, too, and... You know, it's it's just very interesting. You see, uh, you know, you got your bear people. You're kind of like more of like your weasels and your, uh, you know, hedgehog. <laughs> uh, uh, Ron Jeremy was called a hedgehog, right? Uh, you got yeah, you got your horse people, uh, people that look like dogs. I mean, there's just people that are very feminine too that look like felines, mm. uh, very cat looking, and even in acting too, the the way they carry themselves are very uh cat-like and you also just have people that look similar to actors and people that look like a pro like prototypes almost mm -hmm. prototype faces it's weird yeah yeah like there's like there's like 15 seinfelds uh, out there you know what i mean yeah i think of that create a character in the video game where you get like right there's only so many combinations yeah there's like 15 different (laughs) like cads or whatever they're called where you pick what face you want and then you can just like kind of mess with that a little bit. And that's like your base face though. And then yeah. you just add to it or And it's it's whatever. cool because as much as I think the uh the very techie matrix simulation theory, the version of the simulation theory like that takes away from what 
uh, consciousness itself may be doing on a higher level. I do love that the box saga's perspective puts it into an earthly human level. And that's really important and kind of, yeah, again, shows that the simulation theory or aspects of it are borrowing again from another historical point in human physical history. Yeah, that's kind of that's what I love about it too. Is it kind of it, it humanizes the whole story of humanity rather than having these sky gods or aliens or or computer what, simulators or yeah. whatever. You know, it yeah, doesn't same. it doesn't yeah. ruin all those theories. It, it you can hold on to certain aspects of them. Again, I said the simulation theory kind of echoes higher consciousness and what that could be organizing, but yeah. I I think it's again fractal to see these things happening on all levels of scale you know yeah um it goes on to say in the beginning the union of an ape and a goat led to the creation of the human race Mm. through a complex breeding system this became a stable race at that point we had brown skin and black hair after the split into 10 kingdoms we developed into the various races we have today on our planet the caste system within these kingdoms differed on some crucial points with the one with hell as the center of the formal global system. Let's just quickly recap how this initial global system functioned. There were five castes. On top of the planet, there was the Bach, whose title was Lemminkainen, who had many sons with the women of his harem. These sons had children with the girls from the cast below. Their sons had children with the girls from the cast below that, and so on. The boys from the last cast did not have children, but contributed to the offering system, which will be explained later in the offering chapter. Lemminkainen had other special lady outside of his harem. She was elected as the healthiest and most beautiful woman on the planet, called Zvan. Together, they had many children. The first boy and girl were to be the king and queen of the planet, symbolized by Ra, the moon. The twelfth son was to be the next Lemminkainen. The king and queen had no children. The next king and queen would be the first son and daughter of the next twelfth son of Lemminkainen. This differed in in all of the ten kingdoms. The eldest son of the all-father of a kingdom would be king, and at that same time have the function of Lemminkainen, the progenitor. So you see that these things changed throughout like kind of the different ringlands um, functions and stuff like that started to change as they got farther and farther away from the destruction of Udinma and, and it being locked in, they started to change them because there was no order. No order was coming out of Udinma really anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they were isolated. Right. Ice. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> and then this gets into uh, Hindustan. And uh, one of the kingdoms was called Hindustan. It approximately consists of the region of India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and the southeast of these. Anywhere where old Hindu ruins can be found beneath the jungle, the king of Hindustan was called Narkasur. The name is a mythological title similar to Lemminkainen, which means that all the kings of Hindustan were called Narkasur. Just like all the sons, the first sons were called Ra. So Ra is not a singular person. It's a title, yeah. and it can be 
many different first sons. Same with King. Yes. Jarl. Uh, Narkasur, the eldest son of the previous Narkasur, lived in Pushkar in the ringland of Rajasthan. Rajasthan explained in the sound system is as follows. Stan is state or center. As is Osir. J is Jarl. And Ra equals the firstborn. The king Raj is Jar, Jar backwards. The king Ra, Ray, Ray is Jar backwards, which is in the line with the meaning of the individual sounds. <clears throat> One thing I want to say there is I find in language we see this um, A in everywhere. Yeah, on. I was, dude, I was thinking of Salt. I wrote, I wrote down Sultan. Because I'm thinking of On, the sun yeah, god on. <laughs> from Sumer and Mesopotamia in general. Yeah, you see the On, and you see also R, uh, arc, yeah. Architect. Uh, you see that. Arctic. But then you see the opposite of that, too. And you see Ra. Ra, right. Everything ending in Ra. Uh, that's something that I've I've noticed, too. And and. And it's usually like whatever the opposite of the other way is, it's it's just the opposite or it's in somehow related uh, with male and female sometimes too. It's just a, yeah. an opposite translation. Also remember Yake said that um, inversion was a tool used in many ways for many different reasons, not even just evil or deception. It was uh mark it was symbolism and all kinds of things. Yeah. So it it could be that. I mean for a while there was that whole mystery about why do we have all these ALs everywhere? All you know and it's of all course father. yeah all father and <laughs> ATL Quetzalcoatl yeah. you know at alt it's because uh-huh. he was one of alt. the gods of the alt Lantis, you know yeah at ats I think ats a t z and a d s and a t l are all uh like Atlantis Atlantis yeah. Atslan yep it's all the same uh but it's it's just like even i heard like an irish guy say like acer but he says osser right so australia it's, it's just a different pronunciation of of the same word it's just uh it got changed um, have you hey this is a quick sidetrack but i wonder if there's like a bach group down there too maybe because australia has like this awesome podcast uh, about tartaria and oh, yeah. uh, and centering it in australia and all the stuff that they found down there so who knows when you say Osir, i th- i think austria of course but then you think yeah. australia as well so we could probably find some roots there as well yeah i wonder that's interesting um but anyway, let's get back to the book. Yeah. Keeping with tradition, the healthiest and most beautiful lady in his kingdom became his queen. Their eldest son became the next king. The king also had a harem. The sons he had with the women from this harem were to be the Maharadias. Uh, Maharadias. They would go to the ringlands and proven- provinces in his kingdom and be all fathers there. Within the ringlands in the great kingdom of Hindustan, the Maharadias uh, had children with the Rani of the Radia caste. 
the radias were maharadias without ma without the land the radias were the fathers of the car caste the car were the fathers of the lowest caste the gati the men of whom did not produce children so again as during paradise time everybody within this king system was related to one another this of course explains why everybody looks so similar within a particular kingdom and how the various human races came into existence on the planet Nowadays, the caste system works very different than it did during the Ice Age. Since the arrival of the first prophet, people began to marry those within their own caste. It almost reached a point where each individual caste became its own race, with everybody within that caste displaying the same racial characteristics, how it all changed in Hindustan, as well as in the other kingdoms, will be explained in detail later on. That was awesome <laughs> yeah that just explains so much yes yeah, it's crazy huh it's so fucking interesting man it just it just keeps it keeps going <laughs> there's yeah, so the much thing. it's our you get so much clarity history it. it's it's literally starting over and reading our entire history from a completely new perspective a very old one but um <sighs> yeah i think i want to Maybe this will be the last last one. It's only a couple pages. Sure. But uh, we can do this and then kind of round it out. Yeah, we got uh, a little bit of time. From the old North Pole, a meridian line ran south, dividing the planet in two. Uh, this is page uh, 54 for anybody that wants to follow along. Um, it extended from Ass Hell to Hellas. The Ass or Axis from Hell which is the modern-day Crete. It splits Crete into two parts, and where it leaves Crete on its south shore, we find another clip hall, similar to the one on Udin's U and Udinma. Just east of this meridian is the Near East, and west thereof, the Near West. The kingdom of Torquay, was situated east of the line in Crete. The sultan, or Torquay, had a son with the healthiest and most beautiful lady of the kingdom. Their son was destined to be the next sultan. He continued to have more sons with his harem, some of whom were called emir, growing up to be all fathers in the provinces called emirat. The sons of the emir were with a title were called Pasha. The Sultan of a later period moved his capital to what we now know as Istanbul. The ruler of the kingdom west of the meridian through Hellas or Crete was Rasul. Despite a difference in names, the kingdom's order and systems, procreation, titles, functions, and rituals were very similar to that of the other kingdoms. The Roman Empire evolved from Rasul with its mythological all-father figure, Jupiter. Jupiter. Rasul. Rome. Mm. The Pope still today resides in St. Peter's Basilica, albeit missing the initial syllable U, J-U, and representing a very different mythology so 
They're saying Saint Peter is Peter is by his missing the Jew. All right. Remember? Right. So remember a long time ago when we did that conversation yeah, we were talking I was talking about, about Ptah, the god Ptah, and it is comes Peter. Peter, yeah. Yeah. It, it all fits. And uh so missing the initial symbol syllable of a Jew. So these perhaps were the missing Jews or the wandering Jews. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, we're not there yet. I don't we're I don't, dancing around these I don't ideas. Know. Yeah. Uh possibly possibly it has some connotation connotations with the Roman Empire and these Rasuls. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know. Uh, when these two kingdoms were established just after the start of the Ice Age, the Sultan and Rasul had a shared residence on the capital of Crete, situated on the Mediterranean, or on the Meridian, sorry. Uh, the mythologies of the Ting Kingdoms, where their pantheon of mythological figures, depict the manner in which the procreation of their respective societies was organized. The pantheon of godly characters who bestowed the gift of life is similar in all ten kingdoms. <laughs> Being mythological figures, these gods were immortal because they were not real. <laughs> so they were immortal. They were when titles. Yes, they're titles. And they were, uh, I think it will say, they're, when they're pre- representative on earth died, they were merely replaced by someone else carrying the same mythological title. The mythological figure itself does not die. The king is dead. Long live the king. That's why we call our fathers, you know, father. father. It's the same word. It's it's <laughs> They're not the all father, but they're the father. Two million years from now, are people going to be digging things up like, who was this father that just lived forever? (laughs) And this mother and, you know, it's it's of course they're infinite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The architecture of the centers of the king kingdoms reflected the organization of Udenma and often copied its layout. There we go. More on this subject can be found in the chapter Udenma in Paradise Time. AKA Atlant, like the what they yes. were trying to reachieve. So it even says in, in like the famous Atlantean uh stuff that everybody talks about that there were 10 kings from Atlantis that survived and went out and resettled different areas. Yep. There's 10 kings. There from was the all land ice time period yeah so i mean it's it's amazingly it's in here i mean yeah man uh, so along with all the dicks there's stuff you really have to look at um and you know this is probably going to be controversial for another decade at least i think before it gets uh it gains i mean maybe i'm being negative about that maybe i should have more hope that uh we can you know, get more, um, I don't know, the eyes of people that can kind of shake things up um, as much as we can on this subject. Because, yeah, it's very controversial and there's a lot of weird shit in there. But 
um, only through understanding and patience and, you know, really digging through everything, are we going to really be able to put everything into perspective the right way? Because when we're dealing with stuff like this, these connections are kind of undeniable in certain ways. I mean, I'm sure there's people yes. out there that think we're completely crazy listening to, you know, anything that we've said tonight, but that's, you know, regardless of those minds. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff here that needs to be worked out. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and likewise, I'm, I don't necessarily believe everything in here, not every bit of it, but I entertain what it's telling me. And, uh, I think that's kind of what we're doing with, uh, Roots of Creation also is, we're we're going into it to see you know if things are making sense or if it just doesn't make any sense. Can some of these things be verified? Right, and you know, and and I, I think that's kind of like a the purpose of what science is supposed to do, and and that's kind of what we're doing is is we're putting it to the fucking test and seeing, you know, it's it's entertaining and it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of things that make sense. There's a lot of things that seem insane um but but if we don't entertain it and we just throw it out and this is this is our fucking past like what are we doing yeah man i mean i would say that you know (laughs) you me and yake together in telegram our, our chats are mostly trying to you know we're making connections and we're showing each other things but for the most part we're our minds are set at dispelling certain things you know getting throwing out the riffraff and keeping what fits that's the only thing that satisfies my brain. I'm not trying to hold on to things for no good reason. You know what I mean? I need to, to let myself let go of so much of our language and our history and more of it than even the typical, you know, alternative thinking person has to, when you're dealing with the box saga, it's, it goes uh, a few steps beyond anything else. I would say, you know, it's a hard pill to swallow in a lot of ways, but maybe the whole earth will accept it the day that hell freezes over. <laughs> it's already frozen. Right. Uh, <laughs> We're still in ice time. <laughs> yeah. I just want to read like the epilogue that. Uh, yeah, Carl man, let's Boyden close out wrote. with that for sure. Let's close uh, out with that because we do have like about 10, 15 minutes left. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, it gives perspective. Uh, he says, the Bach saga is a story of the Bach family, and since it begins with the first two humans, it is also the story of mankind. It paints us a detailed picture of a world inhabited by people who had beliefs and ways that seem far removed from those of ours today. But as we are essentially all from this world, many of these stories strike a chord within us. The Bach saga essentially sheds light on our forgotten past. Many seemingly incomprehensible symbols in our various cultures come to life when viewed through the eyes of the saga's characters. What makes it so interesting is that although the first part merely describes the way society organized itself, it all seems strangely familiar. The people followed a mythological way of life where symbolism and reality were closely intertwined. They didn't need a lengthy explanation for the various ancient symbols it was clear as daylight to them what an onk a trident and a dragon were why one lifted one's hat when paying respect to someone why demon tongues stick out and so on do you know why the demon tongue sticks out 
Uh, yeah, you have told me in the past. I can't remember. Why don't we refresh uh, re- my memory? Uh, the demon tongue sticks out to receive the semen. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that doesn't it's, help. <laughs> it's, a, it's a procreation symbol. Mm. Uh, the onk is uh, it's described in another chapter, but it's the golden eye. Mm. If you think of the uh, uh, holding it, it was an instrument used to hold the penis. So that the the king could receive this the semen gift Damn. without having to hold the penis, and it was called the golden eye. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know what the uh, trident, uh, the trident and uh, dragon when he's, he says probably that more here. dicks. Yeah, probably more dicks. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever watch that that show on uh on netflix where that guy just draws dicks all over cars <laughs> no was that the one where like the fucking hilarious the the the, so the title of the movie was just like a fucking eggplant <laughs> yes i think so. <laughs> <laughs> could have been it could have been yeah see we carry these traditions on today yeah, we still we still. Do <laughs> but and I would like to oh keep keep going. I don't think you're done. Yeah. You haven't finished it yet. No, uh, these were practical and daily realities to them, and not mystical at all. Concepts like the eternal flow of life, harmony between heaven, earth, and man within this universe came naturally to them. To the heathen people, the universe was not a scary mystical place. Quite the opposite, it was an orderly place with the laws of nature serving as their guide. Their first responsibility within the universe was to procreate so as to ensure a next generation of people with as much uh, philgia, soul, as possible. As described in this book, the main point of focus here was who had children with whom. Procreation and its organization was the single most important aspect of our ancestors' lives. A great deal of their social life, bureaucratic structure, and cultural expression revolved around this time. As explained in the Bach Saga, the main reason for discord and strife among peoples, and therefore the cause of all wars since the Second Ragnarok, can be attributed to varying views on procreation. This is still reflected in our modern-day society with all religions and philosophies promoting a different approach to procreation. The second responsibility was to pass on a world that was as good as the one handed down to them from their ancestors. Apart from these these two responsibilities, we were meant to have fun and live in harmony with one another and with nature. There were no other ambitious pursuits in paradise. The first part of the Bach saga chronicles the paradiset, the paradise. In root, the word means the family who drinks raw, the energy and soul for the pa, the pole of the acer. The second part, starting with the first Ragnarok, is the actual saga. This time period is called Alt. Atlantis. Atlantis. It not only describes a static society, but actual events as well. With the third Ragnarok in 1050 AD, we entered the part that should be viewed as history. 
All of the characters featured are individuals who played an important role in the history known to us. However, not all of them can be found in the written annals of history. Not everything has been written down as it really happened, and a lot of events were never written down at all. And of course, not everything that was written down has survived over the ages. The Box Saga is not a religious story. The gods that are discussed were actual people. It may be a strange story. It may go strongly against all we know or believe in. It may seem rather bizarre at times, but is throughout consistent within itself, which is a great property for such an elaborate story. At almost no point, the laws of nature seem to be transgressed. Anything that is described in the saga is not mystical, but practical. The bizarreness of it all could possibly be attributed to the fact that our way of thinking differs vastly from that of the time periods this story derives from, and therefore we struggle to instinctively grasp it in its entirety. There are many different perspectives from which we can approach the box saga. From a social point of view, we can say that since paradise time, when all people on the planet were one family, this structure was shattered throughout many stages. The first Ragnarok and the following Ice Age brought about a pivotal change in the approach to procreation, as well as fragmenting the one global family into 11 separate ones. The isolation that followed for each one of these was so great that it caused the formation of the existence of the various races inhabiting our planet. As discussed in this book, after the second Ragnarok, the Arctic family split into three, and then after the Atlantis, the Veneer, Vonner, and the Ten Kingdoms came into contact with one another and mixed to form new kingdoms, such of those as the Mongols, Tatars, and Slavics. Oh, shit. <laughs> The various religions and the prophets again changed the views on the procreation system. In religious societies, people started having children within their own caste. History until now produced countless families with almost everyone now being a member of their own family unit. Where our history will lead us from here remains unknown. However, through knowledge of the past and keeping in mind that we come from a state of living in harmony, with nature, we as a species could hopefully make better decisions. We are living in a world which has already been changing rapidly for thousands of years. It is impossible for an ant to grasp the enormity of space and time. I really cannot foresee what if there is to be any. The next step in the process of individualization could be. I have experienced many people reacting in a very emotional way to the saga with some of the events declared outright to be bad. That, for instance, the role that the religions played in the destruction of Udin Ma or the downfall of the Paradiset could have been prevented if the fact is all changes come from the Acer themselves. The prophets were all Acer people. I do not think someone could or should have done something that would have changed the course of history. 
The Bach saga is not sensitive to the individual actions of a mere few generations. The Bach saga itself exceeds this book. And of course, there are many more books that can be written about it, crammed full of stories and information of how people used to live. And the traces of this left in the fairy tales, legends, architecture, symbolism, in short, our shared culture. I hope they will one day be written by people who listen to your box lectures and by people who can use the key he gave us to unlock our shared history. In researching this book, I collected countless video and audio recordings, which were made by Eeyore Bach himself. In addition to this, I spent hour upon hour listening to the stream of knowledge that was imparted to my friends, Kevin and Michelle during the decades of Eeyore Bach's lectures. The parting questions I asked them were, what do we want from life? What is the purpose of us humans on earth? Why were we created by nature? What is the purpose of it all from a box saga perspective? The following is what transpired. We are the gardeners of nature, so it can be so it can continue to exist. We can maintain the wonders of nature. Only a human being can walk through a forest and clean it up. We did it until recently. One could walk barefoot through the jungle. We still have all the images of paradise and fairy tales in our collective psyche. Our role of caretakers of the planet is to preserve its beauty and make everybody feel welcome in this world. During full moon parties, we marvel at the stars. We are healthy and strong. This begged the next question. So what went wrong? And I think I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, I like that. And we will continue that paragraph, the rest of this epilogue, and maybe we'll get into some of the other things that happened to answer that question. What went wrong? Hell yeah, man. Let's do a part two on this. This will be (laughs) our own little sidetrack. Yeah. You know, uh, with... With this being uh, not an exclusive like Roots of Creation episode or anything, but this yeah. is stuff that ties into everything that a lot of us in this community are talking about across many different uh, disciplines and topics. So yeah, it just kind of ties into all of it, man. I just wanted to really do it because we're doing Atlantis this month. And to me, like. Uh, how can I talk about Atlantis and not talk about box saga? <laughs> right. Because they're going to be, there's going to be different perspectives on locations and this shatters yeah. that this kind of puts an umbrella over it. Uh, so, and I, I, yeah, I have I mean, a real hard time without go. If, if, if people can't get past <laughs> that, we're having a hard time right now. We're at a point right now where Atlantis has some viability here, like to, to be used in a way that we can understand it. But without this perspective, I think we're really, and unfortunately it's, it's buried within this complicated yeah. story. It really is. Yeah. And I, I, I also want to bring in um, Ignatius Donnelly to this. Yes. At, we should at do some the point. same thing. Let's do a book yes. report on him too, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I have one more good, hour and a half to two hours uh, that I could do Atlantis from the box saga. And then we could probably tackle some Ignatius Donnelly 
and show how it compares to these things. And also I want when people listen to uh, RFTA this month uh, and we talk about Atlantis and Tartaria and stuff, have think about this Atlantis perspective and see if, if uh, you know, things ring bells in your head. Like you go, Oh, that's what he said about, that's what it said in the box saga when he was reading it too. So it's very interesting that uh, you're getting these different sources that are saying similar things. And even I heard recently that the, the, the pillars of Hercules were originally called like the pillars of Saturn. Oh, interesting. And it wasn't called like uh, the Mediterranean Sea. It was called like the Saturnian Sea or some shit like that. Or the Atlantic was or something like that. I can't recall exactly, but I was like, well, I need to get into that more and try to find out who said that and see if I can find that too. But yeah, man, I'm, and it just made me think, I'm not sure if this would be a separate series for RFTA or just uh, embedded within the Atlantis series. It probably would be yeah. separate. You could probably do a separate series on the North Pole yeah. itself because the North Pole, it's, I'm always fascinated by this, uh, the magnetic mountain versus a possible vortex, which would be the total opposite, possibly both, depending on which yeah. story you're listening to. <laughs> we have Uden Ma. We have we'll get into about, that yeah, in the second part. They talk about the Yggdrasil tree right, the and tree, how yeah. that, that was part of the the center. That's awesome. Okay, guys. Everybody listening, <laughs> I really appreciate you tuning in. I am Bach in business. Yeah. <laughs> the deep share is back up and running, and we're going to be pumping out episodes. And uh, the witness is coming as well um, yeah. for anyone looking forward to that. And so I thank you all for sticking with me and uh, thanks for the support and uh, RFTA listeners. If you're putting this out on your end, right. Thank you for yeah. tuning in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, check out Atlantis month and Tartaria. Um, big, big guest this month. Um, it's going to be quite fun and quite enjoyable. We have a, a star studded group show at the end of the month. That's going to be, I think, awesome as well uh it's going to put a lot of different perspectives together we're really going to get into this and it's going to be exciting so uh tune in check it out listen and uh that's it man hell yeah I mean, man. just listen i don't even care about anything else. Just <laughs> yeah just t- fucking, tell us just, where we're wrong just t- take give it us in, your ideas you know? yeah take it, take in, it in process don't judge it until you understand it yeah, you know, put it up against everything you've got, and that's the whole point of this, and that's what we need. We need more participants yeah. doing that. So, and if you don't agree with something because it's tell us not true, that's fine. But if you don't agree with something because you just don't like the way it sounds, I mean, uh, yeah, dude, there's a lot of that. Here, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, we got like the devil's tongue situation you know i don't like it there's a there's a lot of stuff we don't like either we're also not necessarily (laughs) saying that whatever group emerged with this knowledge into the modern world we're good guys we don't know we don't we're gonna get into what went wrong on our part two of this yeah right so we'll do that and it will probably cross some uh, pretty controversial lines on that episode (laughs) i know for a fact we will with what we talk about (laughs) off air so um yeah, it's going to be intense and uh, feathers will be ruffled in yeah. uh, many directions. And that's fine with me. Um, yeah. Cool with so, so we love you all. Wake up, up. <laughs> motherfuckers. And, uh, you know, I'm, and we love you too, though. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm, 
I'm the devil you need, not the devil you fear. <laughs> Beautifully said, man. Yeah. All right, Dan Anaki, peace out. And everybody listening, thank you very much. Peace, man. Thank you. Take it easy.